This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663 6102. Visit laspaghettata.com.au or find them on Facebook. If you were dining off a menu today, we would tell you you're having a share plate of experiences right here on Cravings on Joy 94.9. We're going to go to Mildura and talk arts and food and wine in that most idyllic of locations. Uh, We're going to have another look at some of the things you might expect to find on your plates this year. And we're talking to a venue that has reopened its doors in the most magnificent of fashions. All those things coming up very, very shortly. Stay with me. Hello, we are talking cravings at six minutes past one here on Joy 94.9. My name is Pete Dillon, taking you through until two o'clock. Uh, thank you, Dean. Dean Beck, for word for word. You know now what is on for the next couple of weeks for the Midsummer Festival. And I do have to uh, say a, a very fond farewell to Chance Dorland. That is the last news bulletin you'll hear him read here on Joy for a while. He's heading back to Korea to be with his family. So we wish him a very safe and sensible and happy journey. And uh, thanks for your contribution to our Saturdays right here on Joy Chance. Earlier today, we were going to try and go to Mildura when I was on another program. And uh, the reason we're going to Mildura is because there is a, a, a series of festivals that happen up on the Murray River. It sits on the border of Victoria and New South Wales and a little bit of South Australia, not so far away from from there as well. It's where the Murray and Darling Rivers meet. It is my hometown, so I'm a little bit... Uh Nostalgic for Mildura, of course. Um, but uh, the Mildura Summer Music Festival is about to commence in a couple of weeks. And this was something that was put together by Stefano Di Pieri and his brother Sergio. And I'll, therefore, there is the food connection with Stefano. Um, and with Kim Chalmers and Helen Healy and a fifth person called Sally Hedricks. They put this festival together and it's going to make them feel old. Now, 11 years ago, it kicks off on the 26th of January, and Helen Healy is on the phone from Sunny Mildura to talk about that festival. Helen, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon, Pete. Yes, it's a lovely sunny day here. It's Always is. For us, it's a cool day. <laughs> hey, um, does it feel like 11 years, Helen, since you put that first festival together? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that photo that you saw yesterday really dated us. Um, it does, and we've done it... Like, we've done festivals over summer each year with um, beautiful music. And, um, yeah, and the combination of Sergio De Pere is our artistic director and Stefano De Pere's input, particularly feeding the artists. Uh, so it's a lovely combination. Now, if I'm, to, I'm, I'm reminded of Sergio who wrote a book called, I think, The Maestro's Table. I think he was living half the time in Italy and half the time in Australia where uh, there was a visiting, a whole bunch of visiting musicians and artists that would sit at his table. And this book that's written by an Australian academic talks about um, the joy of sitting at that table and how Sergio uh, could create food out of, out of nothing. And I think that's, that's very much evident in what he and, and his brother do now together. Absolutely, and and it's just um, knowing the best ingredients and how to simply put them together to elicit great taste. But yes, they're both great cooks. And look, Mildura, the Sunraiser region is a is a magnificent food bowl uh, and has been for a long time. If you think about the production of things like grapes and citrus, and and there's a lot of market gardens, there's a lot of tomatoes mm. and, and those Mediterranean vegetables grown up there, olives as well. Um, it 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 has a very important place in in our food production. Absolutely. You know, some of the figures around what we do here, we are one of the biggest food bowls in the Southern Hemisphere and we produce about 70% of Australians wine grapes and biggest carrot growers and now the almond plantings are massive. But yes, um, the roots are firmly in growing grapes and citrus. So it's a great time of the year over summer when we have the melons out and the grapes are coming on, and yeah, it's lovely. I, I, I worry about that expression that we have our melons out. Uh, it does mean something <laughs> terribly, terribly different to me. And Helen, I, I apologise humbly. Hey, um, uh, you do you do have the Mildura Jazz Food and Wine Festival as part of a sort of an ongoing program of, of, of five different festivals that's in under Arts Mildura, um, mm-hmm. and then the summer fest, the summer music festival, which kicks off. Uh, on the Australia Day long weekend, I think. Tell tell us about That's what right, is in the yes. Summer Music Festival. Well, having an artistic director like Sergio De Pieri, um, we can get so many amazing people to come up here because he's so um, highly regarded and so loved. We ring artists and, could you come play in Mildura? Oh, yeah. And then you put Sergio on the phone. It's like, yes, absolutely, we do anything <laughs> for you. So we've um, collaborated this year with Richard Mills from Victorian Opera. And mm-hmm. we have two singers coming, Jeremy Kleeman and Olivia Cranwell, and they're going to be playing some of the uh, most loved operatic songs um, as our opening concert on the 26th at the Mercy Theatre. Mm-hmm. And then um, we're welcoming back um, Joe Tindamo. I'm not sure if you know about Joe, but he's yeah, yes, he's been in the, the I think jazz Melbourne jazz, jazz Festival many a year. Yeah, he's amazing. So he is. Um, currently collaborating with Zoe Black, a violinist, um, formerly the Australian Chamber Orchestra, and toured throughout the world. So they're putting a concert on across the river in the Wentworth Town oh, the Hall. The Wenty Town Hall. The Wenty Town Hall, yes. <laughs> and then um, patrons over there will enjoy the local food and wine at um, the local cafe called Outback. And then we've got a couple of ensembles. Um, we've got Inventi Ensemble with uh, Ben Opion Oboe and Ryan Williams, who's apparently a rock star recorder player. And with, with, and no, with no disrespect, they're certainly worth going and seeing just for the look. 
<laughs> I agree. I've seen the pics. And Nick <laughs> Pollock on the and Luke. So that'll be a beautiful concert. And we're also staging that one in Broken Hill, as well as here in Mildura on Saturday the 28th. And then we have the Streeton Trio, and uh, Emma Jardine on violin, who's also doing a solo violin concert at the beautiful Art Vault, our wonderful gallery in Mildura, and along with Blair Harris on, on cello and Benjamin Clough on piano. They'll be performing at the Closing Night concert on Sunday the 29th. But all the artists are so generous. They really understand that sometimes um, being so isolated, we don't have a lot of possibilities for our young musicians. So they all um, present instrumental workshops and masterclasses. So it's a wonderful opportunity for local musicians to sit down with these you know, world-renowned musicians and have a cello masterclass or a mm. violin masterclass. So it's, um, it's a beautiful little festival, and um, people just love coming. There's, over those 11 years, there's a trust being developed that um, whatever we program people will just come because they know it's going to be really beautiful music. And Helen, the good burgers of Mildura, um, some might say that because of the isolation that it could be a bit of a cultural desert. I think the opposite actually speaks for itself. Uh, likewise mm. with, the, with the food scene that, that happens in and around Mildura as well. It's, it's growing, it's constantly evolving, it's vibrant, um, and it, it really is a, a place of... of of wonderful beauty, not just in, in the topography, but of, of, of some of the events and some of the food and some of the, the arts activity that happens in the town. Oh, absolutely. We, like, as you know, Stefano de Pieri launched his gondola on the Murray, wow, it must be nearly 20 years ago now. It is 19 and years ago, I think. There you go. And since that, like, he put us on the map as far as taking our local food and wine and applying his you know, amazing mastery skills in the kitchen. And now we literally have new bars and cafes and restaurants opening on a regular basis. It's just such a delight here. We are um, like a really multicultural society here. We have 87 different cultural groups from around the world live here, and many of them are opening cafes, Asian cooking and Middle Eastern and we're very, very, very lucky. But it all started with Stefano coming here and and uh yeah, showing us how to um eat simply and wonderfully. And but he's really involved in all of this. Mm. And the rest as I say in history is almost your uh, your unofficial ambassador up there and he's he's a he's a mighty fine man and he has children that are probably going to continue on that um that legacy that he's creating as well. Mm-hmm. And now He's got the Mildura Brewery with the, the Mildura beer, and so all the artists eat there. Mm. Um, it's a fine drop nice. too. I have to. I have to confess. I've actually spent some time in that brewery and got a, a little over, <laughs> a little over refreshed. I think one night. But uh, there's a great range <laughs> of beers that are pr- being produced in the area, and I think that's what I like about sort of revisiting in, in Mildura is the 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 growth of. of boutique and craft industries as well. I mean, it's always mm. been a place where wine has been made and irrigation has been important um, to to how the town has flourished. But uh, there seems to be yeah, something yeah. new happening every time I visit. Helen, if people want to know more about the Summer Music Festival, the Food and Wine Festival and, and various other events you have up there, the best website for them? Okay, so the best website for the cultural events that we put on at Arts Mildura is artsmildura.com.au. 
But then you can also have a look on visitmuldura.com.au to have a look at other things as well because there's something like about 400 events on over the year, but mm. Arts Muldura presents five of them, including, as you mentioned, the jazz and now the classic music. And we have a fabulous writers' festival in July and visual arts events. And Yeah, thriving community. You should come home soon. And it's a very easy place to fly to. Out of Melbourne, it's about an hour. Yes. Exactly. Mm. We have three airlines servicing us, one of the busiest regional airports in the country. It's fantastic. Uh, Helen, thank you for joining me. Go and enjoy that sunshine. I will. Thank you so much, Pete. No worries. That's Helen Healy. She, she is the festival director for the Summer Music Festival and also uh, all of those thriving festivals that happen in the Mildura Sunraiser region. Um, I'll be back very shortly. We're going to have a look at some predictions of what we might be eating this year. It's 16 minutes after one. You're on Joy 94.9. I'm Pete Dillon, and this is Cravings. We're listening to you. SMS 0427 Joy 949. Email on air at joy.org.au or call us 1300-JOY-949. Yes, you can get involved with this program any of those ways. Text 0427-JOY-949 or email on air at joy.org.au. We have an email from Linda. We haven't heard from Linda for a couple of weeks. She's been very busy. Um, Hi, Pete. I'm happy happy to be listening to the show tonight. We've been busy visiting with Tad and Richard. Tad, who is my regular co-host. Um, all my children were home for Christmas this year for the first time in 22 years. We had a wonderful time, and Tad has just left New York for Melbourne. I miss him already. So thank you for the email, Linda, and we're looking forward to having Tad back at the desk next week um, with us. So we are, I'm feeling a bit lonely here in the studio. It's it's all a bit sad, and I'd like there's somewhere I'd actually like to be, and I reckon the smells would be pretty awesome because she is... A wonderful cook, I am led to believe, but uh, also an incredibly talented journalist. She is from Epicure in the age. Her name is Rosalind Grundy and uh, is currently, from my understanding, making some jam. Good afternoon, Rosalind. Hi, Pete. How are you going? Good. What what jam are you making today? I will be making apricot jam. I haven't quite started yet because I didn't <laughs> want to burn it while I was talking to you. Right. Okay. What's, what's the <laughs> secret for making good jam? Look, I'm a very much an amateur jam maker, so I'm not going to pretend I'm one of those CWA ladies who can give you all the secrets. <laughs> really, I'm, I've had as many disasters with jam as I've had successes. And in fact, I wrote a, um, a story once for The Age about making plum jam and all the disasters I'd had with it. And I, I got the most gorgeous letters in spidery writing, handwriting from women who were giving me um, advice on how to make plum jam. So... Yeah. I'm, I'm, the apricot last year, the apricot jam last year was pretty darn good, if mm, I say so. I'm not, a, I'm not a big jam person. I actually don't like no. the sweet things. And no, no, it's not for, for any particular purpose. My, growing up, my grandmother made incredible jam, and, and my mother used to make jam. I'm just not a jam person. I, unless it's got some really sort of t- some real tartness to it, I'm not, uh, I'm not much into jam. But um, I'm sure it's a wonderful pursuit and quite calming. I, to be honest... I don't really like eating jam that much myself <laughs> either, but I really like making it. Yes. I like making it. It's, yeah, I'm much more um, a relish or chutney person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring all of that stuff, green tomatoes and limes and all yeah, sorts of things in, in chutneys. Mm. I'm happy. Um, so let's let's take jam off the table for a moment and think about some of those yeah. things that we might look at this year as uh, – as suitable um, things to eat. I did have a chat to Hilary McNevin last year, and we sort of, last week, I'm sorry, did this great big overview of some of the 
I hate this word, food trends we might see in 2017. But yeah. as, as you're sort of hoofing around Melbourne and uh, surrounds, what, what are you noticing, things that are starting to, to alter and change? Is there anything that we, we might see happen this year that, uh, that you're starting to notice already? I missed Hillary's session last week, and I'm sure she covered most of them, so um, forgive me if I double up on some That's of the things that right. she's been saying. But um, one of the big ones, and I'm sure she will have touched on this, is the rise of vegetarian and vegan food. I just that feel it me. everywhere. It's massive, and it's really sort of filtering down into even you know, the basic local um, burger joints and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that's going to be one of the big ones this year. Yeah, I, I this has been going on for a while, and I'm um, I'm a bit I have a little bit of a problem with this because we weren't given these particular teeth uh, <laughs> if we weren't meant to use them to chew meat. But they're not just for chewing meat; they're, they we're meant to be omnivorous. Yeah, I know that, but I, I'm more carnivorous. <laughs> I'm more carnivorous than anything else. Um, and you just anybody- don't want the guilt trip, right? You just don't want people saying we're going vegetarian because you don't want the guilt trip that comes. No, with I that just as don't. I just don't want people saying we're going vegetarian because it means I can stop eating at their house. Ah, <laughs> oh, self-interest. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, a total self-interest. <laughs> um, and and well, the veganism. I, I don't thing. mean. A big pattern. The the whole thing that the move towards veganism, how we're where somebody said that we're heading to towards a, a dominant vegan culture, and they said you have to be out no. of your goddamn mind. No, that'll never happen. That will no. never happen. But I I do think that uh, even people who do eat meat will probably get into things like meat free Monday and that sort of thing. So maybe not every night of the week, but maybe one night a week or two nights a week. Oh, I, I probably do that unintentionally. One or two nights a week I might just have make myself a salad with lots of fresh tomatoes and cucumbers and that sort of thing and, and just forget to put meat in and I might put some cheese or, or what have you as a, as a protein. But um, I, I don't consciously go out to have a vegetarian Monday. I was having this discussion in my office yesterday, Rose. We went out for lunch and I was talking about the things that I, I really don't care for are things that are dis- designed to look like something else, like soysages. Have you seen the soysages? Uh, look, I'll confess here, um, I have a vegetarian son and another son with a vegan girlfriend. So we have some soysages in our um, fridge right at the moment. Uh, or or, or, or what, what looks like a meatloaf, but it's made from nuts. No, not into that. No. I think if you, I'd rather eat vegetables that are unashamedly vegetables. Yeah, stop trying to describe... Uh, and facon. Someone's like, uh, uh, no, I had no. some facon. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no, it does not work. <laughs> um, I, uh, things like a, um, a cabbage steak I can get behind or a cauliflower steak, you know, like a, a slice put on the grill and grilled and that sort of thing. Yes, right, I can go steak. with that. It's, it's, it's cauliflower. It's grilled cauliflower. Exactly <laughs> that. Mm. Yeah, um, so that's one of the ones I am seeing, and I think um, we'll see a, you know, a fair bit more of that going on. Um, I think we're going to see a greater awareness of sustainable seafood this year. I think we're starting to finally get the message that we can't just go plundering the oceans for anything we want. Orange roughy, yum, bring it on, all of that sort of thing. Mm. I think we're finally getting the message that we have to be a bit more careful about the seafood we eat. And, and yeah, absolutely right. And things like sardines and, and calamari and those things that, are, that, that breed quickly, that are much more plentiful, that are still equally as good for us. So I think that's the move we'll see away from 
some of those those more selective um, high end if you will uh, fishes and, and back towards something that's a bit more sensible yeah that's right and probably a little cheaper although you know flathead which is very sustainable is really expensive now well pork belly used to be really cheap didn't it yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> Until we discovered it was so bloody delicious. Um, yeah, that's right. And, and I guess that's one of the, the things where, where I hate talking too much about food trends, but I think as we start to, to see the evolution of food and the, the way that we play with it and, and enjoy it, that it becomes something that, that is a trend, will all of a sudden in a couple of years just be part of our diet. Are we still eating a lot of um, uh, fermented and, and pickled food? I think the the influence of, of places, uh, cuisines like Korean food, for example, um, and the, the love affair with David Chang have given us a, a broader understanding of, of fermented and pickled food. And I think that is something to really be commended because they really are, um, they're very good for us and they make it more, I think that idea of um, foods that are good for you, and that's one of them, um, you know, will be another one of those trends. And, you know, that that awareness of gut health and that sort of thing is, is increasing too. And I think fermented food is a big part of that. Tea is another, tea? another thing that's sort of been thrust in front of me this year. And we're going to be drinking, uh, having more tea matched with foods as we went through a couple of years ago with cold brew coffee being matched with foods. Uh, it seems that tea is, is on our list to be uh, explored and enjoyed a bit more this year as, as a food match. Yeah, I think that might be right. It's been sort of bubbling up, not as in bubble tea, but, you know, kind of a, a growing trend for a little while. And I know that there's a... a um, a cafe in Melbourne that has a like a tea sommelier type of thing. So yes, it's. I think it will be something that we are starting to see a bit more of, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Break from coffee. Well, I'm. It's it, it's at the loss of of wine, and I um, I was going to try and chat to Mike Benny today. He's up in regional New South Wales with uh, zero Wi-Fi. It was supposed to work, and it just it just didn't. But um, we were going to talk about the the rise and rise of some alternative varieties and that sort of stuff. But tea is is there, and and we're going to. The suggestion is we'll be drinking less alcohol with our meals, um, and having more non-alcoholic beverage matches. Uh, there is some suggestion that Australia might see its first water sommelier. Oh no, gosh, that is that's like a scene out of Portlandia, isn't it? Well, there's 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 a number of them in the US. There's one in particular in LA. There's a a, a restaurant I think that has eighty different waters from around the world, and oh, there is a water sommelier. That really is just too far for me. I think, well, but I am <laughs> noticing that. I just think that's crazy. No, that's just stupid it is um, and, and and here in melbourne where, where you can turn on the tap and have a beautiful glass of water we are so blessed to have such good quality water i i, I find it laughably absurd that there is a, a potential water sommelier in melbourne oh, no think of the food miles and all of that and all the packaging it's just crazy no, no i'm not going to endorse that one i'm gonna, not get behind that one no no i'm going to ask you to hold on for a second rise i'm going to play a couple of announcements and we'll come back and talk some more um, okay. about what some of the th- some of the things we're going to be having a look at this year including water sommeliers you're on cravings here on joy 94.9 it's 28 minutes past one i was at work i was riding my horse i was microwaving a watermelon 
My iguanas escaped! There are lots of reasons you might have missed your favourite show, but don't worry, because our podcast team has you covered. They work through rain, hail and national glitter shortages to bring you the best bits of every show. Visit joy.org.au and click on the podcast tab. Thanks to our podcasters, you'll never feel guilty about missing a show again. Cravings will be back shortly, so don't go too far. But if you do miss anything, you'll hear it on The Cravings Podcast at joy.org.au forward slash cravings via iTunes or your favourite podcast site. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9 663 or find them on Facebook. Cars, cooking, cruises, we have it all. Weekends on Joy 94.9. Ah, uh, yes, we do. The cruises bit is coming up after 2 o'clock. We'll be talking, uh, sorry, the escape pod. We'll be taking you travelling and talking. Uh, all things travel agents, and I've I've been able to alert them to something I discovered this week, so hopefully they'll give that a mention as well. My guest at present is Rosalind Grundy. She is um, from The Age. She's the editor of The Good Food Guide, and uh, we are talking some of the potential trends. We had a discussion about, I'm still giggling about the water sommelier, because I think I've caused Rosalind to go a little bit apoplectic. Rosalind, welcome. <laughs> Oh, okay, yes, apoplexy, I'll own, I'll own up to that. That really is crazy. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. It is so laughable. Hey, um, now, the the other thing that we're supposed to be seeing this year are things that are matched to our star sign. So I'm no. going to ask you a question. What is your star sign, Roz? My star sign is Capricorn. Does that mean I'm going to eat lots of goats this year? No, because no, I think no, goats no. Ask going... something that we're going to see on the menu. I'm going through the list. I keep talking about goat while I find Capricorn. <laughs> I am seeing people starting to use goat in dishes, so I think that will be quite interesting. I like goat. It's nicer than lamb, I reckon. Well, it is, and I live in 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 um, an area where there's a big uh, Indian community, and we can buy halal goat and uh, go and eat goat sort of every second night of the week. I love it. So um, now, the 2017 Capricorn prediction so that your ruler is going to spend a big part of your something in your 12th house, and there's going to be a lot of kombucha. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is going from hipster to mainstream. How do you feel about kombucha tea? Um, I don't particularly like kombucha, but I make kefir, which is not dissimilar. Yes. It's another of those probiotic-type drinks. Yes. It's so, a... yes, all right. I'll, if I can sub in um, kefir for kombucha, I can go with that. Good. Mine is what supposed else? to be seaweed. Seaweed? Yeah, the Librans are supposed to be on the seaweed this year. Oh, okay. I've got Libran in my life too much. Enjoy some seaweed then. Indeed. Okay. Um, now, tacos. Taco, taco, taco. We're putting everything in a taco. So some over the last few years, we've been putting things into sliders and brioche buns and milk buns. Uh, we're apparently putting everything, stuffing everything into a taco. Yeah, I think that that could work because it it will go be okay for people who are celiacs. It'll be okay for people who are vegan, vegetarian or carnivores. I think that could be a hit. Yep, good. It kind of works across all different demographics as well. You can really dress them up. I mean, if you really have to, you could have a bit of lobster in your taco or you could have something super cheap in your taco. You can indeed. Now, you talked about veggie and veganism before. Um, Sea vegetables are also supposed to be uh, making a bigger appearance on our plate. 
Yeah, I think um, that's right. And it, that's part of the sustainability thing too, isn't it? It is. We've talked about pickles and ferments. Zero waste. Yes, yes. I think we're seeing not just all parts of the animal, but all parts of the vegetable being used a bit more, you know, the carrot pesto and all of that mm, kind of stuff. Which is it's good. Yeah, it is good. It's not a bad idea to be using all of that stuff. And and also I'm seeing that a lot, of, a lot more restaurants are starting to do the composting thing and using those composters and that sort of thing or um, sending their food waste off to people who will compost them mm. and then grow vegetables with it. So that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad Closed thing. Closed loop kind of thing. Insta-ready food. Yes, that was one of the ones I had on my list too. I think I think chefs are increasingly composing dishes with Instagram in mind. Well, so it, it's, it's free marketing, horse, isn't, isn't it? it? It is the cart pulling the horse, which is a little bit alarming. Um, <laughs> Portuguese food? Oh, okay, maybe. I haven't seen that, but I'll keep an eye out for that. Well, I'm, I'm alerted to the fact that it, I thought it started... Um, some time ago where, particularly in Sydney, where there was those beautiful little Portuguese custard tarts that um, we were eating everywhere for a minute and then Portugal just seemed to die off a bit. Yeah. Asian breakfasts, I think, we will see more and more. Yes. That was something that started last year, but I think that's going to be uh, a growing thing. Brunchfest? Yes, I think that's So right. where you combine your breakfast, your lunch and, and uh, everything in between and it's it's your brunch first. So it's sort of one meal yeah. that happens before the evening meal. Um, yes, oysters for breakfast. Thanks. Oh, yeah, bring that on. And I'm going to talk to Pure <laughs> South, uh, to Philip Kennedy from Pure South in a minute and I know they do have oysters for breakfast. Yeah, that's the sort of thing they'll do there. Yes. Home delivery I'm seeing a fair bit of. I think yes. uh, even some kitchens being designed now with the Uber delivery guy in mind, you know, that easy access to mm. a delivery person at the back door kind of thing. So so it's, um, you know, an acknowledgement that that kind of thing is and then a growing trend. Mm. Well, we're seeing uh, Uber Eats, Deliveroo, Foodora. Um, there's three or four of those services around already. So that's big. And the last one I've got on my list for you, Roz, insects. No, I really don't see that as being... I know that people keep pushing it and I can see, uh, you know, in my mind, I can see the arguments and all of that sort of thing. It's sustainable, rah, rah, rah. But I just don't... Anytime we have a story on the Good Food website, goodfood.com.au... Nice plug, um, right on. <laughs> is that subtle? Yes, very. Um, <laughs> anytime we have insect stories, they just don't get um, people clicking on it. People just are not really interested in eating insects. You know, other than maybe a novelty in a bar when they're, you know, deep, cry, deep fried crickets have passed around and people go, oh, I haven't tried that. I'll try it. No, nah, I don't see it. Let me, let me give you another take on the insects is where the insects are cooked and then pulverised into powder form like mm. a flower so you could have a, a cricket pancake. Yeah, right. Thomasina Myers is uh, apparently um, with her Oaxaca chain and some of the health food shops selling insects as well. So when it's moved on from Heston and, and, and Renee Redzepi, for example, to people like Thomasina Myers, it, it starts to gather a bit more steam. Can you see supermarkets stocking cricket flour or anything? No, I just really can't see that becoming mainstream. I, if I'd have said to you 20 years ago, would we have seen supermarkets stocking Sriracha, um, black rice, uh, those things you probably would have gone, eh, it could be a challenge. 
Yeah. Things yeah, evolve. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm happy to be proved wrong on that. Oh one. no, no, I'm not suggesting proved wrong. I'm just I'm just thinking about the evolution and and the way that we think about it might start to uh, shift mm. our thinking a little bit. Mm. I was thinking because of the uh, greater uncertainty around Trump, Brexit, and all those other things, we're going to be looking more to comfort food this oh, year. Oh, thank God for that. Bread and butter pudding. We'll be back. I'll give you that. <laughs> mac and cheese, you know, all of that. I think that's... I was a little pub yesterday, and they had a mac and cheese burger. So where the patty was mac and cheese, built into a burger. Ah, okay, so that's carb on carb. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it, it was Whatever. a Friday lunch and uh, had it with a glass of, gr- I didn't have it, but uh, the same lunch, a glass of Griesling, Griesling. Uh, where Pinot Gris and Riesling have married and is now Griesling. And they had Griesling. Oh, gee, that's a, not a very attractive marketing term, is it, Griesling? No, but God, it tastes nice. <laughs> By gum, I enjoyed it. Uh, Rose, it's always good to talk to you. I do need to shuffle off and, and grab somebody right, else on the phone. Pete. But uh, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to the day that I can sit with you and discuss uh, cricket powder or, or, or some sort of flour that uh, we'll be using. With a to... flight of water? Yeah, with a water sommelier, absolutely. <laughs> uh, good to talk to you. Rose right, Grundy you. is from the age. She, uh, she has her finger on the pulse more so than most of us about what's happening in restaurants. She doesn't agree with my pulverizer insects but we might get there it is 21 minutes to two year on cravings here on joy 94.9 my name is pete dylan i am laughing at myself for the next 20 minutes bonjour i am gabriel gatte you are listening to cravings with peter dylan on australia's only gay and lesbian radio station joy 94.9 indeed you are it's 19 minutes to two you are on joy 94.9 my name is pete dylan coming up after two o'clock the escape pod will take you on a journey. They are, of course, your travel program and they will take you to a a discussion, I understand, with some travel agents about um, where to find good bargains and whether travel agents still are, in fact, necessary. Uh, In that previous chat, we were talking to Ros Grundy about some of the things we might be seeing as trends for 2017 and one of them she mentioned was oysters for breakfast and I know where to go to get some of the most delicious Oysters from Tasmania, St Helens, is the recently reopened Pure South in Southgate. Philip Kennedy is one of the two men behind that, and he joins me on the phone. Philip, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pete. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, good. good. Restaurant full? I walked in today thinking not a beautiful day, and it might be a little quiet, but the place was packed for lunch. Good, good, good. Bit of a buzz on the boardwalk at Southgate. Nice. Well, that, that's always a nice thing to see. Um, for the first time, you are doing all-day dining, so breakfast uh, right through until late at night. Um, what's on the breakfast menu? I was a little bit delighted to hear you say that Roz thought oysters for breakfast might be a trend this year. <laughs> well, Roz and I both love oysters for breakfast, and I think it's a perfect idea. <laughs> My best ever story of oysters for breakfast was standing in waste deep water at Coles Bay, east coast Tasmania. I think the water was eight degrees or something. I'm exaggerated, but it was cold and we're standing in waders, not a breath of wind, blue skies and uh, sucking down oysters that, you know, uh, before nine o'clock in the morning. It was Straight off the lease? We were picking them from below the water, eating them from we're eating them out of the water. There is, I know it so sounds I'm indulgent. I'm in water, and the oysters are at my knee height in the water underneath me, so mm. you can crack them and eat them. Fantastic. And you're allowed to drink at that time of day. Well, of course you are. 
I, it does sound indulgent, but I've been in a similar situation in Coffin Bay where um, I sat on this, this bargy sort of thing and there was a fellow waist deep in water picking oysters off the leashes. The, warm, the water was a bit warmer than eight degrees. Um, yeah. And he's just cracking these and they had king oysters. And I don't know if you've ever eaten a king oyster, but it's, it's like swallowing a small shoe. Uh, <laughs> quite a large thing to get down on one's gullet. <laughs> I love my oysters, but you know, I'd have to work my way into that one. So oysters are on the menu. Certainly I can come in and have a glass of champagne with my oysters for breakfast. Seven o'clock licence. And on the weekend, Bloody Mary's and oysters. Sounds good for me. Yes, I think it's a marvellous way to start the day. Um, something else that I know is on, on your menu that I can have for breakfast, like a little smoked salmon taco. Yeah, ocean trout, actually. Ocean trout, I beg your pardon. Yeah, it does a, just a little dab of uh, finger lime and little, just a little touch of avocado, and it, there are hints of Mexico there, but not really. That's well, there's, there's some of that. Ocean trout taco, it's, it's delicious. We we're just talking about anything can go in a taco, and one of the trends for um, 2017 is, is anything you can find stuffed into a taco, and the influence of Asian, oh. Asian breakfast as well. So you're absolutely bang on trend there, Mr. Kennedy, with some of the, uh, the things that are on the menu. Yeah, wow. We might be setting trends. Look out. We, we, I like, uh, there's all sorts of references on our breakfast menu to things that you don't think of for breakfast, but if you, if you think a little longer, You've had them for breakfast, like the ocean trout taco. You know, we've done... Well, traditionally, we have eaten salmon, smoked salmon for breakfast, just not like that. Correct. And when I grew up on the farm and we'd work really early and then come in and have a steak for breakfast at, you <laughs> yeah. know, 9 o'clock, but you'd already done three hours' work. Yeah. Or, a, you know, a brisket. Dad used to have, uh, you know, uh, yesterday's dinner, last night's dinner was breakfast somehow... And it might be cold corned beef or, you know, and there's brisket on our menu and there's steak on our menu and there's a... And I, I know it doesn't sound like breakfast, but the way Chef puts it out is very clever. And people are ordering it and, and really enjoying it. It's great. Um, there's wallaby on the breakfast menu. <laughs> no, that's not traditional, but yes. Wallaby with smoked egg. Which is, again, it, it, it's sort of reinventing or, or reimagining some of the things that we, we liked to eat um, at various times of the day, but they can be made into breakfast food. And I think one of the, the things, another of those trends that Ros and I were just speaking about was brunchfest, where um, it's breakfast, lunch, and, and, and brunch sort of all rolled into one meal, which becomes probably slightly larger than you would traditionally have a you know bowl of cereal as you getting your stockings on and leaving the house. But uh, uh, combining the, that sort of breakfast and that mid-morning idea and lunch all in one meal becomes a, an ideal way to start a day. I, uh, people are surprising me what they're ordering. We, we do have a mix of things that are pretty typical breakfast and things that are pretty typical lunch. But what time they're, they're being ordered doesn't follow the normal you know, plan, if you like. So the f when we first opened for breakfast on the first day, the first thing ordered was uh, ocean trout tacos. And Excellent. I sort of did a little, did a little yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is there, a, is there an ideology, and I know the philosophy behind Pure South is, is Tasmanian produce, but is there a philosophy of sort of trying to shake things up a little? No, I don't know about shake things up, but we like to think for ourselves. 
sometimes if you do that and run too hard, though, people just don't get it at all. And so, you know, in our first opening, we've had people that have sort of scratched their heads and said, I'm not sure what these guys are up to. I know that. So you need to lead them into it a little bit. So shaking things up too much is probably, uh, you know, we've, we've got to bring people along with us. People aren't. People are generally really smart, but you've got, but you've got to help them along a little mm. bit too. So, just shaking things up, I don't think it's commercially the best thing to do. So, well, not, not if you're shaking you, things up for shaking things up's sake, but if it's yeah. a result of um, you know thought out, sensible discovery of the fact that people do want to eat wallaby and smoked eggs for breakfast, or they want to eat oysters for breakfast, it's, I guess, it's offering that opportunity for people to have something other than some smashed avocado with feta on toast. Exactly that. Yeah. So Chef does put things... I, I, I scratch my head sometimes <laughs> when he writes it down and then I eat it and and everything changes. So, yeah, wallaby and smoked eggs for breakfast isn't what I would first think of as I wake up hungry, but people love it. So exactly. Um, we, so We do shake that up a bit. 12 years as a, as a hatted restaurant... Um, do you think this because this, this renovation is massive? Um, I was in there the other day with some friends, and it's just—it's the most startling place. It's enormous. Do you think you've um, you've you've challenged yourself to maybe a second hat? Or I certainly know it's not the intention, but are you ready for that? Yeah, I, I guess we don't chase hats, but it, but it is a reference point for people to, I guess, describe where you're aiming. Mm. Um, I don't know. Chef put on a Scottsdale pork we free range farm out of Scottsdale in north east Tassie. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Unwin and his family. So Scottsdale pork belly with peaches, Heidi Farm Tilsit cheese, and lobster. And I thought, holy moly, where are you going with that? <laughs> it's an interesting and, combination. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll say it again slowly. Pork yeah. belly, yeah. peaches, Heidi Farm Tilsit, and with cheese and Lobster. So pork belly, and peaches, cheese, and lobster. lobster. It's like mm. it's like someone's given him a mystery box. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a challenge. It um, does. It's stunning. Yeah. So and and it works think, by the sound of it. But it also aims and points sort of at that two hat mm. space. But the the thing next, the 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 line before it is on the menu is squid. We get fresh squid sent up from a fisherman in Tassie too. So yeah. with just tartare, lime, and avocado. So really simple and clean, just beautiful. You know, beautifully finished, mm. simple, clean. And so I guess we're at both ends of the spectrum. Hats. Uh, I, I think his food is as good as, you know, it's, it's two-hat food, but we don't try to own there with everything we do. We try to make the doors wider open and easier mm. Upstairs, I guess that service level is a different style to uh, downstairs. It's supposed to be really welcome, easy, drop in any time, unplanned, get the same standard of food without all the, uh, I guess, formality and and slowness of service. Just take it, sit on the bench, watch the world go by. We have bench seats at the windows and have that same beautiful food, but just... Do it with a pilsner on tap or, you know, do it easy. 
It's, so, <laughs> so you go, well, we're not owning at hats there, are we? No, but, but I think by the, the diversity of offering, you, you are providing something that's, that's unique and therefore will come to the attention of those people that are, are reviewing restaurants and determining what, what the, the punter is looking for. Mm. Hope they enjoy it. <laughs> I, I, expect, uh, I expect they'll get it. We, I think it's a, a, we've got to be careful. We, it's an interesting thing watching since we've been reopening. Some people that sit down and contemplate the menu and engage with the waiter and the menu love it. Others that are in a hurry sometimes sort of scratch their head and say, but, but I just want... And so we have to... Uh, we have to slow down a little bit and make sure we're bringing along everyone with us. Yeah, that it's not comp- too complicated. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's complicated, sophisticated, classic cooking, but try to give them something a bit of simplicity that's intuitive mm. and easy to understand. Mm. And yeah, pleases the crowd. If Gee, it, we're trying to be everything, but uh, indeed, indeed, not really. depends what people are in the mood bring, for. Bring hatted food to everyday snacking. And, yeah, and unplanned dining. Which is which is the thing that we probably do most. Just one final question, going back to the trends that Ros and I were speaking about. Insects are going to be uh, apparently a trend, whether they're pulverized into a flower or a powder or whether they're, you know, sitting on top of a piece of pineapple like Alex Atala would do in, in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Are they something that you would contemplate if there was a some sort of insect plague in Tasmania and we determined that they were good for us and we like to eat them. Um, is it something that you think you could get chef's head around? Oh, the only insects we've had on the plate here have been unwanted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> be, to, be, to be fair, Pete, I, I haven't really thought about it too hard. I, I find it funny. It is. And and one thing you also might find funny, which I have been laughing about for the whole hour, is uh, there's a restaurant in, in L.A. that has a water sommelier. And uh, there is talk of, um, well, there's certainly more than one in, in the U.S., but there's talk of a, a Melbourne venue opening or a Sydney venue opening that has a water sommelier whose sole responsibility is to find you one of 80 different kinds of water um, to match with your food. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that makes you laugh as well because I have been giggling about it all hour. I was wondering whether I was supposed to be laughing or not, but I had a grin on my face. Um, good luck. It, the, the absurdity of that, it's just so laughable. I, I, I don't know how it um, how anyone could think that that is something oh, well, that, that the world changes. wants. changes. Mm-hmm. We need to evolve with it, Pete. I yes. remember as a, a young fellow on the farm thinking, buying water... Why would you pay for water? <laughs> and now look at us. We're all running around sucking out of those plastic bottles, ruining the environment. Well, and they're, they're more expensive by the litre than petrol or milk. Correct. Hey, Philip, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, the venue is, of course, on uh, Southgate, uh, there on, on the Arrow River, just across the footbridge from, uh, from Flinders Street Station. Um, continued success, my, my friend. Thanks very much, Pete. Nice chatting to you. Likewise. It's Philip Kennedy. He is from Pure South, one of the owners, and I do recommend you go and have a bit of a gander because it's a very nice place to see and be seen.
Um, that's, I'm almost done. I'm going to finish with some music today. So I will let you know that, again, the Escape Pod will take you travelling until... Oh, sorry, after 2 o'clock we'll be talking travel agents. Uh, they will be talking travel agents. I'll have a couple of messages and we'll finish with a bit of a, a, bit of a song which um, alludes to the very start of our program, which is Life in a Northern Town by the Dream Academy. I've been Pete Dillon. This has been Cravings. I have been delighted to have your company yet again. Tad's back next week. We'll talk to you then. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another Cravings podcast with Pete Dillon online at joy.org.au forward slash cravings and live Saturdays from 1pm on Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Exploring all that's finest in food and beverage across Melbourne and Victoria. Sponsored by La Spaghettata. Over 35 years of food, family and fun at 238 Ligon Street, Carlton. Wine and dine with La Spaghettata for an authentic Italian experience. Pasta, wine, seafood, steak and so much more. Dine in and enjoy the authentic sights and sounds of Ligon Street. Or order takeaway now via Deliveroo, Uber Eats or Fedora. Eat, drink, love with La Spaghettata. Call 9663 6102. Visit au or find them on Facebook. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.